Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for August 2020. Tim, this is the episode 42, I believe, of the live show. I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight, and we're sorry for the little bit of delay that we had due to uh, a little bit of an absence for Tim. Tim has been working hard at Dairy Queen, uh, getting some stuff set up. I'm sure he'll enlighten us on that. But before I get to him, let me introduce myself. My name is Jonathan Lee Young, and I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, I already mentioned his name, but to give him a formal introduction, is Mr. Tim Peterson. And uh, I would say this way. Way, but you're actually this way on my screen, so uh, there we go. But uh, Tim is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips, and hopefully we're going to get to answer some questions tonight. I wasn't so sure, Tim. You're making me nervous. Uh, but me and the live chat had a lively discussion while you were uh, while you were frantically driving from Dairy Queen. So why don't you give us the scoop? Well, appreciate everybody for uh, sticking around. I hope that it's worth your trouble. But uh, yeah, we uh, opened a brand new store. It's actually a replacement store where they took one that had been around since 1973 and it looked like it. It was like the Dairy Queen I remember working in when I was a teenager. And they tore it completely down and built a kind of a new state-of-the-art Dairy Queen. Maybe by the next time I'll try to get some pictures uploaded or something to show everybody. But kind of like the 2020 version of it, you know, a lot of high-tech uh, computerized grills, Fryer, stuff like that uh, made it make things go busy but of course uh, they haven't had anything for three weeks while the process was happening so everybody wants to come see the new Dairy Queen uh, people in town are proud of it a lot of people coming in bringing the kids so we haven't officially had the grand opening yet this is kind of a soft opening where we didn't tell anybody but word spread obviously pretty quickly because we are very busy today well and tim you know uh i we actually did some testing last night just to make sure that we had all the tech ready for today and you were saying you get off at five you're already making me nervous because i knew you had a little bit of a drive then you had the traffic of course and you got off late so uh we understand though tim and i think everybody here understands like i said we had a great conversation with the live chat folks while you were on your way uh, getting ready for the live show and getting everything set up so uh, you know i will say that we've got youtube punk here we've got the real hammer billy lee he says hello 
Uh, let's see. We have Zod. Zodhan is here. We've got Jason Steverson. Uh, Louie is here, Tim, our, one of our great Facebook mo- moderators. Um, AMV, a Yane fan, is here. And uh, just a lot of, lot of great people here in the live chat joining us tonight, Tim. And uh, we look forward to interacting with all of y'all during the show. Remember, you can leave your questions and your comments in the live chat. We'll try to get to those as the show progresses. Uh, but, Tim, is there anything else you want to mention before we roll into some questions? No, let's get started. I've held everybody up long enough. Okay, well, let's do it then. So, Tim, before we actually get started in the questions, though, we did have a comment from the last show that I wanted to address here. And so I'm going to go ahead and throw that up here. And this is from Tim. Uh, Not you, Tim. Different Tim. But um, we mentioned in the last show that you could jump over from one speaker to another if you wanted to do like a double mono setup on a Street Fighter 2. And what I really need to say was that you can, the best way to wire that is in series. And so um, the the parallel wiring really doesn't work as well for this because it can sometimes overload the audio amp, which I knew this, but I forgot to mention on the live show. And so your best bet if you're going to go with like a double mono setup is to wire them in series and so I'm going to read Tim's comment here uh, Tim so that way we can get across to everybody be a bit careful when adding a second speaker to an audio amp circuit. If you wire the speakers in series, then the ohms on the amp will increase and make it less likely to overheat the amp. Parallel wiring has the potential to fry an audio amp and reduce the ohms beyond the amp's minimum rating. So if you're unable to verify the speaker ohm rating and amp minimum ohm rating, just go with series wiring method to be safe. Good luck. And this is something, Tim, I should have mentioned, like I said, when we answered the question on the last live show. But Tim, I've got the diagrams here as well, and you'll see just a straight speaker wiring at the the top but then you'll see the series wiring where you actually jump her over um, from one speaker to another and then have um, have the uh, basically the the, um, the plus at the front uh, that goes to the first speaker and then the and then uh, goes back to the ground on the other side but wiring them in series like that will make sure that you don't overload your audio amp, which is very important because, you know, Tim, on arcade games, a lot of times audio amps are built onto the board. So we don't want to overload those amps for fear that we may have to do a board level repair, correct? Yeah, and uh, this might be something they want to actually screenshot and print off or something. This is some really good information. Sometimes we're saying stuff and we kind of know this, but we don't always say stuff that we should or go into a little detail. So thank him for commenting on that and uh, helping us bring it. Absolutely, Tim. Thank you for the reminder on that. I just wanted to go ahead and give everybody the update on that so they knew. Try to use series wiring on speakers when possible. If you're trying to do you know multiple speakers to one line, uh, it will save you a little bit of, of, uh, of trouble with, uh, like he mentioned, overloading the amp. So there we go. Uh, Tim, we got some comments here. Um, YouTube Punk says, we stuck around because we heard Tim was going to give everyone the chat-free blizzards. So, um, okay. <laughs> and and Tim would say you heard wrong. I think would be would be the. the I made enough blizzards today. I'm good. Oh, okay, what did you have today? I want to know. I love blizzards. Well, the new one of the month is Oreo fudge brownie. Oh my goodness! But I want to try one that I never heard of. It's called. It was obviously one they had before I started there called Oreo cookie jar. Gotcha. And never tried that one's got cookie dough and oreo and fudge in it see that one that one sounds like it's right up in my alley oh getting a hug there too tim so yeah it's got a birthday present oh there you go so she just turned 21 oh my goodness happy birthday late (laughs) oh her boyfriend got her a pendant nice that's very nice 
Alright. Okay, All right. let me see what else we got here, Tim. Uh, YouTube Punk says, I miss those old school Dairy Queens. Um, let's see. YouTube Punk says, it needs a sign that says our ice cream machine actually works. You, you need a sign yeah. up there, unlike McDonald's, I hear. Uh, we actually have two up. We actually have four now. So it would really have to be a catastrophic day for all four to go down. There you go. Well, Tim, enough of the enough of the Dairy Queen talk. We'll go ahead and move on to our questions for this month. And the first one we have, Tim, is from Sean. So let's go ahead and throw it up here. And Sean says, "I'm trying to build an arcade from scratch. It was gutted except for the PCB. I've done. I've never done this before, but would love to make this my new hobby." Anyway, the schematics talk of a ground tree. Would this be what they are referring to? Any help would be appreciated. So, Tim, he's got a picture here, and these are the pictures that he sent. He sent a um, uh, basically a ground tree from the schematic for the board that he's trying to wire up, and then he sent uh, what looks like just a terminal, uh, like a, a barrier strip or a terminal strip. Is that really what Sean's looking for, or is he looking for something else? Well, I mean, it would work, but it's really not what we would call ideal for arcade games. Right. It, it has a kind of a different purpose. For what he needs, he needs more of a um, jumper ground wire strip. And I think uh, you're going to show that in the next slide. Yeah, I'll go ahead and show it up here real quick. The difference is um, it has the ground or common, so you don't have to have a ground for each one. Right, exactly. You see, so um, in the barrier strip that he showed, Tim, basically there was just one terminal or maybe two. I couldn't tell if it was um, if it was like a straight across connection between the two screws or if it was just a single. But even if it's straight across, you have to basically jumper the ground to each of those screws in order to get it to connect properly. What something like this does, Tim, this is a ground terminal distribution block. What it does is, as you can see, um, where that double um, nut is with uh, at the uh -huh. end, you just put the ground there and then all the other grounds can be distributed off of that and there's not additional connections that are needed. And so, uh, Tim, this is a really big one here, but um, you can get them in different um, different screws, different gangs, if you will. Um, so you don't have to get one this big necessarily, Sean, but you can get you something that has just like four or six on it, depending on how many ground wires you're going to need. But really what you want to go for is a ground distribution terminal block, something like that. Right. And I'll go ahead and read the whole slide so you guys can get it. While traditional barrier, uh, terminal barrier strip would work, it would re require you to jumper a ground wire to each terminal section along with an output wire in order to distribute it. Instead of going this route, look at a ground or common terminal distribution block. These are designed to specific, designed specifically for this purpose. And Tim, we have a link here to Amazon uh, that they can click and that'll take them to some ground terminal distribution blocks. But Tim, these things make, um, make ground wiring a snap. Because instead of having to um, like jumper all of your grounds off of the power supply, for instance, and you've got like 15 grounds under one screw or whatever it is, the distribution blocks give you the, a appropriate number of screws to make sure that you can get uh, the watt, your ground wires distributed where they need to go. And so it, it really saves you a lot of trouble. This one in here actually had a cover that goes over it too, which we re would recommend that you get one that has a cover over it so you don't have shorts. Um, you know, if you have, you know, if uh, if something comes in contact with that ground distribution strip, uh, it can short out if you're not careful. So, you know, try to get one that has a cover on it, if possible. That will help with shorts. Tim, anything else for Sean before we move on? No, we want to, we don't want to de-emphasize the fact that it needs to be grounded because grounding is so important in any game. Um, you almost can't ground too much. I think uh, Pac-Man tried to. <laughs> you know, Pac-Man had grounds everywhere. But it really is important, guys, um, just an off-topic, but kind of on that topic, is make sure that your variants are grounded good. 
we talk about a lot our will start at power even from the ground plug to the wall is so important if that's broken you're not getting proper grounding you can't have a lot of issues or you're just asking for a lot of issues down the road. Absolutely. So proper grounding is very important with all of your arcade games, guys. So um, if you're wiring one from scratch, make sure that you put those grounds in there. And like Tim mentioned, have a ground coming all the way from the wall. It'll save you a lot of headaches and trouble in the future. So John, uh, Sean, hopefully it answers your question. And good luck wiring up your arcade board and cabinet. Now, Tim, I have a, a we had a question from Joshua. We actually answered while you were in in um, in transit to where you are now, and um, he was having a problem with a, a Miss Pat and Galaga board with no audio. And I told him he could replace some capacitors on the board as they usually have to do with the audio amp section. But he's wondering how he can find that section. The easiest way to find it is to trace back from where the speaker wire pins are. So if you have the speaker wire pins on the edge connector, um, trace the traces on the board back to you know whatever section they go to and that's going to be where your audio amp section is more than likely. So um, like I said, you want to do that at the board level. You want to trace it back. So start at the actual pin where you would connect the speaker and then move backwards through your board and eventually you'll get to some parts that are in the audio amp section. So if you're having problems def determining where your audio amp is, that's a good way to do it. So I just want to get that in there for you, Joshua. I hope that helps. Tim, did you have anything else on that? It's kind of near the volume pot. Too, if you have a volume so. pot, yeah. If you have a volume pot on your board, then it would be near that as well. So, Okay, uh, I've got AMV, a Yane fan. He says, I dismantled a Dell LCD screen which had a ground screw connected to the metal casing. I stupidly threw out the metal casing that the ground was connected to. How can I properly ground the board? So, Tim, he should just be able to throw this in under any ground in his cabinet, though, if um, he connects it to the ground on his power supply or even the floor ground, that should be fine, right? Yeah, it should be fine. So you don't necessarily have to go um, back to the um, to the metal casing, per se, but you can take that all the way. If, you, if, if it's inside an arcade cabinet, of course, you could take that to your power supply or you could take that to your actual um, your actually floor ground that's on your uh, AC your AC plug. So that's another way to do it as well. So um, hope that helps. Um, if you need additional details with that, let us know. YouTube Punk says he sent in his donation. Thank you, YouTube Punk, for sending in your PayPal donation. We accept all donations and we welcome them and we thank everybody who gives us donations. We appreciate them so much. I will mention that the Regzer Show also threw a donation tonight, so we want to thank him as well. And if you feel like you would like to make a donation, then you can do that by clicking the little dollar sign down below in the live chat if you're here with us live or by going to arcaderepairtips.com slash donate if you'd rather do it that way. So thanks to YouTube Punk and the Regzer Show for donating for this show. We greatly appreciate it, guys. Uh, let's see. Um, AMV, uh, a Yane fan comes, would that ground strip work? Yes, the ground strip would work if that's what you want to do. If you if you have a ground strip distribution block in your cabinet already, you could go to something like that as well. But you got to remember, that ground strip is not grounded unless it's connected to a ground, like a floor ground or a power supply ground. Right, Tim? Yeah. So make sure that it is connected to an actual ground. Otherwise, those screws are... Uh, just because it's a metal plate doesn't mean it's grounded. Right, Tim? No, yeah, you still have to have a you still have to have that connected to a physical ground somewhere, whether that's on the power supply or your plug. And the best way to do that is just take your meter, put on continuity check, and start at the end of your cord where the ground plug is, and you can touch the other grounds. And if you've got a continuity or a beep or it ohms out, then you know that you've got good grounding all the way through. Or you can also help use that to try to find the break in your grounding. Absolutely. Absolutely, Tim. Great great advice there, and uh, hopefully that helps you out. So, 
Okay, Tim, let us move on with our outline. And the next one we have is from Mike. And Mike says, hello, I have a 1943 Battle of Midway monitor that is not working. There is power, but no neck glow. The fuses are good. There's a clicking sound. I need some help and I'm very frustrated. Any help is appreciated. Thank you, Mike. I don't know, did I get the very frustrated across real good there, Tim? Very frustrated. Maybe like this. I don't know. But you know how people are. So, Tim, uh, I read this question and I thought to myself, I better bring in the big guy. So guess who I got? You got Michael. I got Michael. So we have a short video from Michael. And, guys, we're going to start doing this. This is what we're going to call Michael's Minute. So every month, Tim, I'm going to send him one of our monitor questions. And he's going to send me back a fantastic video of him answering that question. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to play this video from Michael answering Mike's question about his 1943 arcade monitor. So here we go. Hey, everyone. Michael here. Come to you from Florida. Uh, we have a message from Mike. Great name. He has some monitor issues. He said uh, his monitor is clicking. He said his fuses are good, no net glow, just got a clicking sound. Um, usually the only thing in a monitor that can click it would be a relay. Um, if you have a chattering relay, that can be caused by low or what we call dirty voltage. Um, and usually that can be solved by replacing some caps around the power supply section. Um, I have seen them do that if something is shorted on the secondary side of it. Um, so he could, with a multimeter, it'd be real easy just to check to see if he's got any shorts anywhere uh, and go from there. I've seen um, monitors chirp, and that could be mistaken as a click, and it's actually just a chirping sound. Um, and that's usually 100% shorts. Um, usually you're hot. Um, will cause that and if you have a shorted hot more than likely your flyback will probably going to be bad in that situation but this kind of question is kind of hard to answer without knowing exactly which chassis we're talking about and maybe seeing um, a video or uh, some pictures or something to go by a little bit more on it but I hope this points you in the right direction and if you still can't get it going, just let us know. Send us a video or a little bit more information, and we'll do our best to get you going. But until next time, we see you later. Take care, everybody. So, Tim, that was Michael, and I know you didn't get to see the video, but Michael has uh, two, um, it looks like two promotional um, stand-ups for um, Super, uh, Super Mario Maker behind him. Apparently, I talked to him, and he has been collecting uh, video game memorabilia. So, um, especially like advertising and cutouts and things like that. So guys, um, just awesome to have Michael back on the show, Tim. I mean, you know, I, I, we've been trying to get him on in some capacity for a while now, but I'm so glad that he's willing to put together these little Michael's minutes for us and do this kind of stuff. But Tim, uh, let's just go ahead and kind of cover what Michael said here. And if you want to add anything to that, you can, but I'm going to throw it up on the outline scene here. So, like Michael mentioned, sometimes this type of clicking sound could be generated by a chattering relay that's getting low or dirty voltage. In this case, replacing the caps in the power supply section of the chassis should help with that issue. And Tim, you know, obviously that's something that we go to. That's almost like our go-to monitor repair a lot of times. But to hear Michael say it makes me feel better. What about you? Uh, <laughs> so, um, but the other thing is that monitors will sometimes chirp, which is often mistaken for a, a clicking sound. And Tim, I think you and me have also had this where we've gotten this little chirping sound. Uh, if your monitor yeah. chassis is chirping, it could be caused by short in your hot or your horizontal output transistor. 
and or your flyback. Of course, knowing the make and model of the monitor chassis can help us better diagnose your issue. Please get back to us with that information if you continue to have issues. So um, there you go, Tim. That's um, that's Mike's question. So I think Mike is actually in the live chat. So if you're here, Mike, hopefully that answers your question tonight. But uh, what a treat to have Michael do that, Tim. And like I said, I think we're going to make this a regular thing. So you guys will be seeing him answering a question once a month. So um, especially particularly hard monitor questions, Tim, which is something that Michael is so good at. And Tim, I did talk to Michael and he may, this is not a for sure, but he may start doing monitor repairs again. So if you guys are looking for a monitor repair, I'm not promising anything yet (laughs) because it's a maybe at this point. It may not happen, but um, he may start doing monitor repairs at some point in the future. So um, if he does, we'll let you know here first. Um, So if he does start doing that, but uh, right now, again, it's a definite maybe, I guess we could say. But um, if he does start doing that at some point in the future, we'll definitely let you guys know. So you can send your chassis off to him because, Tim, um, we've seen Michael work and we know he knows his stuff, right? Yeah, most of what we have learned from monitor repair came from Exactly, Michael. and if you've seen any of our videos, you've seen Michael because uh, he's in a lot of the monitor ones, Tim. He is in uh, repairing monitor collapse issues. He is in, uh, let's see, what else did we have? Um, golly, so many different videos that we've had Michael in. And so uh, we just want to thank Michael for all that he's that he's contributed to Arcade Repair Tips and all he's going to contribute to him through his new Michael's Minute segment. So thank you again, Michael, for your input. And Mike, hopefully that answers your question, and good luck. Uh, repairing the monitor on your 1943 arcade cabinet. Okay, Tim, let's see what else we got in the live chat real quick. Um, yeah, Louis said flyback. Flyback, definitely. Um, and that's, you know, that's what uh, Michael was leaning towards with the chirping noise, as we talked about. Uh, Joshua says, you guys are outstanding. God bless you guys for all you have done to me. Thank you for that, Joshua. It means a lot to us. Um, the reason we do it is because we love games and we want everybody to fix theirs. And so hopefully the advice that we've given you has, uh, has uh, helped you and gotten your game going for sure. And uh, if there's anything that we can do, please let us know. Uh, let's see. And YouTube Punk says, behind you, Mike, you've got Luigi with a hammer. And so, uh, yes, he did have Luigi with a hammer there behind him. Tim, I know you couldn't see it, but uh, it was funny. Yeah. So. Okay, let us continue on with our live show tonight, Tim. And the next question is from Kenny. And Kenny says, Hi, Arcade Repair Tips team. I came across you on YouTube, and I'm happy I found you. Thanks for the incredibly helpful resource you provide. I have a 1988 Nintendo vs. Unisystem PlayChoice arcade system. It is currently broken, and I want to open the back panel of the cabinet to see what's going on. I don't have a key, so I am not sure how to unlock it or to open the back panel another way. Do you have any suggestions? Attached are some pics of the cabinet, including a few pictures of the lock. Thank you, Kenny and Tim. I'm going to show these for everybody at home so they can see them. And uh, you guys can see this is a um, standard Nintendo cabinet style play choice. Tim, you used to have one like this, right? Yeah, just like that. Yeah, just like that, in fact. Um, So these are the ones that have been, you know, like I said, they're Nintendo-based. So these are not the two-screen setups that are often the most common play choice um, cabinets that we see, Tim. This is a single monitor setup with usually a timer LED uh, up in the corner to let you know how much time you have on the play choice. And so, Tim, Kenny has this really nice Nintendo play choice, but he doesn't have a key for it, okay? So that presents a po- problem, especially if you need to work on the game at any time. So what can Kenny do in order to gain access to his Nintendo vers- or versus cabinet play choice Unisystem thing? Well, we've had a lot of luck with that particular... In fact, the one we probably broke into the one that we had um, by kind of prying it open from the back and then like using a rubber hammer and hitting the end of the screwdriver to bend the cam enough to let the door fall open. 
um, probably have had more luck with Nintendo cabinets doing it just that way, kind of prying it. Now it does damage that wood around there a little bit, but it's pretty negligible, especially if you're not going to ever lock it back. Uh, if that's a big deal to you, then you probably should watch our video on drilling out a lock and just drill it out and then replace the lock when you're done. Uh, if that's a, but most of the time we can get in there and then we just put screws in the back door just to hold them because we want to be able to get in and out of them a lot easier or we don't want to go have to buy another lock. But most of the time that Nintendo wood is pretty thin. It's almost, a, that back door is a little bit uh, thicker than paneling. It's not very thick at all and you can take a screwdriver and kind of bend that until you hit that cam. Uh, once you get it about a half an inch open, uh, the cam is the bar that moves, that locks it in, and then you can take a hammer and kind of hit the, hit it till you bend it all the way over to where that door will fall open. So, Tim, uh, we have a story on that, and I don't know if you remember this. When we did the high score save kit in my Donkey Kong, uh, for some reason I misplaced the key. Yeah. And so we actually did have to break into it. And Tim, uh, my Donkey Kong is very similar. It's same style Nintendo cabinet as his play choice is. And we did exactly what you're describing in order to get it open, in order to put that high score save kit in. Guys, we misplace keys all the time. Tim, you know, now what we do is we key everything alike just because it's way easier yeah. than trying to keep keep up with like 10 million keys. And so um, we all of the games in my game room now all have the same key. They all use the same key. The front doors, the back doors, everything uses the same key because otherwise I wouldn't be able to keep up with it. And so, um, you know, in this particular case, like Tim said, you can actually bend that cam over. If um, And you can see it, Tim, and I actually put it on, on the slide here um, because he sent this nice little picture of the back door and the lock. But you can see the cam kind of sticking up through there, through that crack. And so, yeah, if you um, if you can put that flathead screwdriver through there and kind of tap it, then, yeah, you can definitely get it to bend back, like Tim mentioned. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the slide here for you guys. We have had some luck gaining access to the back door on Nintendo stock cabinets by using a flathead screwdriver and a rubber hammer to move or bend the cam on the lock away from the wood that is holding it in place. If you can't get the cam to move or bend enough to open the door, you might need to drill out the lock in order to gain access. Please see our post and video on replacing a corn door lock for more information on this process. Uh, please be sure that the game is unplugged before attempting either of these methods. And Tim, this, you got to remember, if you're doing a drill on this, you need to be very, very careful because where this lock is situated is very close to the monitor. And so if you drill all the way through, you may end up with some shards uh, around or on the monitor tube or chassis. So be very careful with that. Tim, when we drill locks, a lot of times we don't have to drill all the way through, correct? No, once you start, um, it'll actually, a lot of times, then you can stick a screwdriver in the hole and turn it. Right. Uh, but most of the time, uh, you don't have to go all the way through. It'll kind of fall apart on you. Right, exactly. So, in fact, in this particular case, it would be better not to draw all the way through just because, like we said, you really don't want those metal shards that are coming off the lock to fall on anything electronic inside the cabinet. On front door locks, we don't care as much because a lot of times there's not as many electrical components up in those areas. But when you're dealing with a back door, there's boards, there's power supplies, there's chassis, there's tubes. You don't want metal shards falling on those. So be very careful. Don't drill all the way through the lock, but drill as far as you can um, and see if that cam will fall. And once it falls, you should be in good shape. Tim, anything else for Kenny before we move on? No, um, it's kind of scary how once you do it a couple times, how quick you can break into one. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's really, they're really not that secure. 
but it just takes a little practice and but it's always good to get your own locks or just to screw them down where you don't have to lock them exactly um, so i can see why they have locks in the arcade but for home use only they should be fine without a lock absolutely and like you mentioned earlier tim a lot of times we'll just put a screw in it just so we can keep the back door on but you know we we don't want we don't want to lock it necessarily because if we do that, we may not be able to gain access uh, when we need it. So, Kenny, hopefully I answered your question, and good luck at getting the back door off your Play Choice cabinet open. Okay, so I'm going to go over to the live chat real quick. Um, Danny said, "I want to ask you what did you what did you first uh, okay what did you first during monitor repairs when you first start doing it." How you learn how to solder boards really good. Okay, so how do you learn how to solder boards really good? That's a uh, Tim, this is something that we've talked about in the past. You can get solder board kits that actually will help you practice soldering. But Tim, a lot of times what we would do is you would just go to a garage sale or to Goodwill and get you an old circuit board or something like that uh, and just practice on that. Uh, a lot of electronics from the 80s, Tim, have really big solder pads, which are really good for practicing solder on soldering on before you go on to a live board, right? Yeah, that's exactly what we did. I remember we took a VCR apart one time or an old laser disc player and we used the inside pad on it to practice on. That's a, a good way for something somebody's just going to throw away and uh, it gives you a good place to practice. There are some kits and stuff you can buy also just to practice or make stuff out of. And a lot of that stuff from the 80s, Tim, like I said, it has bigger solder points. Unlike the stuff yeah. nowadays. The stuff nowadays has very tiny solder points. In fact, they're so tiny a lot of times, Tim, we have to use a magnifying glass or something like that to really be able to see what we're doing. And so with the 80s stuff, a lot of those solder points are huge. And so for practicing, getting good at it, uh, use older electronics, any kind of older electronic that you can find as your, you know, as a good practice base for it. And it doesn't, I mean, just find some old busted, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a half cracked open TV or what it is. Um, anything like that will work if, you know, if you pull it out of there and you can solder on it. So um, that's, that's probably one of the best ways to practice. But they do have sold, learn to solder kits as well on Amazon, and I can link to one of those in the show notes if you're interested in that, uh, that you can order that will also teach you how to solder as well. Jeff says, the cabinet uh, lock can be easily picked with a fingernail clipper. Don't drill it. Use a fingernail cleaner, file piece. There's a video on YouTube on how to do it and it won't damage the cabinet. There you go, Tim. So uh, yeah, our friend uh, Stan is really good at picking locks. He's a certified locksmith. We've mentioned him before. Um, Tim, I talked to Stan. His birthday was um, uh, on August 1st, and so I actually called him, said happy birthday, and got to see his arcade set up. Yeah, he's very nice. Um, hopefully I get to see him in person someday. But Stan was a locksmith, and he could pick stuff with, um, you know, just whatever you had around basically uh, including yeah. like a nail file so yeah i don't have that much patience i don't think yeah, exactly so drilling is fast easy and it gets the job done right yep uh, jeff says just jiggle the file and twist it at the same time it'll eventually turn so there you go uh danny says that would be the best way to have your uh to have your locks all with one key for sure that's what i recommend so buy a group of locks tim um we ordered ours i think from twisted quarter back in the day right yeah, thanks. So. so Twisted Quarter is a great place to do that from. You can order them from a lot of different places, though. And so, um, you know, just wherever you order locks from, order a bundle of them and just replace them as you need them. So YouTube Punk, has Tim or John ever owned or worked on a Duramold cabinet? Uh, Tim, we have not. But, uh, man, Callan, our, one, of our, uh, one of our friends, man, he used to have a whole slew of them, right? Yeah, he did. So for those who aren't familiar, Dermold cabinets were produced by Williams, and they um, they were for a lot of the Williams games. What all had Dermolds, Tim? I know Bubbles did. Uh, Sinistar, did it have a Dermold mold? 
Yeah, I think I've seen one in one. I, I think it was dedicated. I can't remember but all the dirt mold, mold cabinets at the moment, but if you haven't looked them up, uh, do an internet search for those. Uh, it's some really cool cabinets, Tim, but like I said, uh, it was a Williams product, and so the ones you see in Dura molds are almost all Williams games, and so I know that we've seen Bubbles and Sinistar like that. I'm not sure how many others we've seen like that, though. Any more that come to mind, Tim? Uh, not offhand. Just kind of threw me off guard. I, I'm trying to remember. Since you said those, those are the ones I'm envisioning. Right. Um, Maybe somebody in the chat room can, if they have some, they can tell us what other games. Callum used to have like six had. of them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think, was Joust ever? I don't think Joust was. Um, trying to think of what other Williams games off the top of my head. It'll come to me. We'll talk about it. Um, if anybody else has any any more Dura molds or has ever owned one, we'd like to know too, because those things were cool. And Tim, they're pretty rare, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't know how many of them were actually dedicated, but they're... Yeah, you know, it's kind of like something fun to collect, you know. There you go. They didn't really ever bring that much more at auction, but it seemed like that now they probably would. Absolutely. With collectors now, I think you would see it a lot more, so. Yeah. Okay, let us continue on here, Tim, with the live show. And the next question is from another Mike. And he says, hey, guys, I'm new to, to the Facebook page and the YouTube channel. I'm not sure if you guys covered it or not, but I just got a secondhand Pac-Man machine, and I'm looking to restore it for the man cave. Uh, I'm trying to put a new control panel. Uh, I'm trying to put on a new control panel overlay, and I have no idea how to do it. If this is covered in one of your older episodes on the YouTube channel, which one is it? Thanks a lot, Mike from Washington D.C. Now, Tim, um, I could have just sent him, uh, you know, a little message back saying, "Hey, yeah, we've got it, and this is where it is, and everything." Right. But I kind of wanted to talk about some some of the control panel overlay um, things that we talk about in that post. Not so much in the video, but in the post, because a lot of people. Um, may not be as familiar with it. But yes, to answer Mike's question, we do have a post and video on replacing a control panel overlay that you should definitely check out. Um, you know, But there are a couple of things, Tim, that I wanted to kind of get out there just so people, um, in case people were interested in doing this. Tim, there has been kind of this movement to um, to using like a lighter and soaking like an old control panel overlay and lighter fluid and setting it on fire. Yeah. Um, we're not, or, yeah, exactly. We're not the one, we don't really recommend this as it could cause damage to your control panel, especially if it's wood and can cause unsafe working conditions. Tim, do you have any more thoughts on lighting a control panel overlay on fire? Well, I mean, some of it is just, I guess it's about time consumption. To really do it right, it takes a lot of time. I think the last one we did was at your house. It seemed like it was going to take us forever just to get, and we're pretty anal and we want to get every ounce of the old stuff off and everything. Um, but the method that we use with a heat gun and stuff really seems to work okay. We're doing the same thing. We're applying heat, and but we're scraping it off, not letting it just burn off. Having said that, I haven't actually done that method in so long that um, it's not like I don't unrecommend it. I'm just like, you know, to each his own. If that works for, good for you, it certainly should be a, like on a Pac-Man cat, cat uh, should be a, a metal one, like you said, to make sure there's no wood. And then, uh, to me, you always have the residue smell of the burning and the lighter fluid. 
Um, but I guess if you paint it afterwards and give it some good time, it'll probably be okay. Yeah, and you know, the biggest thing though, Tim, is safety. Just making sure that, I mean, if you're gonna, I mean, you're soaking something in light, lighter fluid and lighting it on fire. That just doesn't seem very safe to me. I don't think that's an OSHA approved method, Tim. But, um, right. but for those of you guys who may not be under OSHA, it is a method you could use. We don't recommend it, but it's something you should do. Uh, Tim, like you mentioned, heat gun, uh, we use scrapers, WD 40, goo gun, goof off, that kind of stuff to get it off there. Magic eraser works really well if it's really stuck on there but um but the burning method's not our favorite but tim the other thing i want to mention is you need to buy high quality artwork from a reputable source and the reason why yeah. is because it makes a huge difference when you're putting it on if you get cheap artwork it's going to look cheap on the overlay if you get good quality artwork it's going to look really nice and so if you don't mind the cheap look if you just want to throw it on there you think it's going to get beat up or something that's fine but you do get what you pay for when it comes to artwork tim and so make sure that you buy really great artwork it will save you a lot of trouble when you go to put it on the cabinet right yeah well the case in point would be arcade one-ups the first round that came out looked great but they were kind of cheap cheaply ink printed and stuff and they weren't didn't last any time you notice now they've had to replace a ton of them and the better the newer cabinets have better artwork which we told a long time ago you can't can't go cheap on the artwork and stuff, especially if it's something you're going to play. And if you're looking for places to get high-quality artwork, we recommend our resources page. That's at arcaderepairtips.com slash resources. And we do have an artwork section under there. Tim, uh, Game on Graphics is one that we recommend. Phoenix Arcade, is there anyone else besides them that you know offhand that it, uh, produces pretty high-quality artwork? Well, I'm looking for some myself, and those are the first two sites that I went. The Game on Graphics is cool because they let you upload your own kind of stuff and they'll help you make a custom kind of deal but um it's hard to beat the quality of um phoenix arcade and they're always if you want something as close to the original probably even better that's who i would highly recommend and i know there are other people since we don't buy a ton of artwork anymore um that are probably out there doing just just ask them about the maybe the methods that they do uh, the material that they print on, stuff like that. And it, it is true, a lot of times you get kind of what you pay for, especially when it comes to artwork. There you go, exactly. And so um, we've got a couple other things. Um, Real Billy, or Real Hammer Billy Lee says Galloping Ghost Reproduction sells great arcade art. Tim, can't say enough good things about Galloping Ghost. The arcade, yeah. their artwork, anything involved with them, guys. Um, they've got one of the largest arcades uh, in the world in Illinois. Um, just great stuff out of Galloping Ghost. You can't go wrong with them. Uh, but yeah, Phoenix Arcade. Oh, here's the thing. Game on Graphics and Phoenix Arcade, Tim, we've been using for over a decade. Maybe two decades, yeah. right? Yeah, so we were using Game on Graphics before they were Game on Graphics, before they changed their right. name. And so, I mean, these places do really high quality work. We really recommend them because we've had the experience with them. So, oh, Tim, something else while we're talking about resources and vendors that you may want to know is that the real Bob Roberts is taking orders again. Wow. But it's not Bob that's so much. It's Bob's wife now. that's fulfilling most of the orders. But if you send an email to him, they are fulfilling orders now. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, like I said, Bob has kind of stepped out of that. I think he's still recovering, but I think he's slowly getting back into things. But, um, yeah, I uh, somebody posted on one of the groups the other day that the therealbobroberts.net is back open. So if you guys are looking for uh, any parts, you can always get them from Bob. He has always had high-quality stuff. Tim, we've recommended Bob since we started this thing, and we're going to continue to recommend him. So if you're looking for parts, therealbobroberts.net is back open. Highly recommend it. So uh, let's see what else we have. Uh, Thisoldgame.com. Heard a lot of good things about them, Tim. I don't think either one of us have used them personally, but still, I've heard that they have really good artwork. 
So, okay, is that everybody? Okay. Um, Blake says there's a video of a guy um, using O'Reilly brake fluid aerosol to wipe black cabinet paint right off. So, huh. um, which is interesting because, Tim, usually we use citrus strip or something like that. So I'm going to have to check out this video for sure. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, Danny says, I've been having problems with older golden tea boards before I bought them, used and work, uh, and I keep having issues burning up in the same spot, and I've checked my wiring connections, and they are fine. Um, Danny, have you checked your power supply to make sure it's not too high? I mean, that would be my thing. Tim, any other thoughts? Yeah, or it's not grounded properly. You know, something is causing uh, that issue. Uh, you're getting too much somewhere, you know, or it's not grounded properly. Yeah, typically, um, yeah, typically um, that is, uh, like I said, that's, uh, you know, you'd have something uh, for it to be burning up like that. I mean, typically it'd be a power supply issue. And Tim, this is something that's really important is that you can have your 5 volts dialed in and your 12 volts can be wrong, right? Correct. And so be can sure, yeah, off. be sure that you have both your five and your twelve dialed in, because I know a lot of people will just go off the five and think, okay, I'm getting five volts, I'm okay. But just because you're getting the five doesn't necessarily mean you're getting the twelve. Tim, we've had power supplies where we get five volts on the five volts line, we get fourteen on the twelve, right? Yeah. And so um, check your power supply really good there, Danny. Make sure that you're okay on there. Do check your wiring and make sure that everything's uh, good there. He did say his wiring was good, and so Tim, that really only leaves the power supply at that. At that point, because there's really nothing else to get, nothing else in there, right? Yeah, I would I would heavily look into that area. Sounds good. Um, let's see. Rexer Show says he uses Game On Graphics a lot, so he has a good. Like I said, he has a good relationship with them. Um, let's see. Danny says maybe it's because it's before they went to hard drive. I don't know. Would be better to run a cooling fan above the board. Actually, the ones before they went to hard drive are usually more reliable than the ones with the hard drives. In my, I mean, in our experience, right, Tim? Yeah, I agree. So, um, but I don't know if the wiring is the same or not. So, I mean, that'd be the question. So, anyway. Uh, but fans always help. We're, we're a big proponent of using fans in your game, period. Right. And we shot a, I think we did a video, we talked about it before, having not just a fan blowing in, but one blowing in, one blowing out, and letting that air really circulate in there. Exactly. Blowing in from the bottom, blowing out from the top, guys. Um, you got to remember that cool, cool air falls, hot air rises. So, you know, if you can blow in from the bottom, blow out from the top, they get that air circulating through your cabinet, it really does make a difference. Uh, Danny asks, have you ever been to Galloping Ghost? No, but we do have a pretty good relationship with Doc Mac, Tim. Back when we first got started and before they had the big arcade, um, they were making their, um, whatever that arcade game is, Dark Presence, and they actually linked to uh, our website saying they learned a lot from us. So uh, we want to thank uh, the guys at Galloping Ghost and Doc Mac and all those guys because, I mean, I tell you what, they have one heck of an arcade. And if you're in, the, if you're in that Illinois area around there, you, you just have to stop and check it out. You will not be disappointed. Uh, let's see. AMV again, fan. I'll be building and selling cabs for MAME in the next few months, and there is a limited but willing market in East Canada. I will get a CNC uh, to save time and cut the cabs. Your opinion if CNC is worth it? So if you're going to be doing a lot of games, Tim, then a CNC mill is definitely worth it. Um, oh, but, sure. man, it is expensive, and so it is an investment for you if you're going to be building cabinets. But, Tim, like he mentioned, there is a demand for cabinets, and so a CNC machine... Uh, can definitely help you crank out those cabinets very quickly, which is very nice. The programming on CNC mills is pretty easy. Tim, I've done that in the past. Uh, you can pretty much cut whatever you want to with it. And um, if you're pretty good at, with AutoCAD, you can drop something in AutoCAD and then have the mill cut it instantly. It's super simple. So, um, you know, just really great stuff. If there's a market for it and you think you can recoup your investment, I'd say go for it. Right, Tim? 
Yeah, and a lot of those files are available online too yep. already so that you can just program them right in there and do the cutting. You just need the machine. Exactly. So, um, yeah, Danny says he watched a video about Galloping Ghost on John's Arcade channel and would love to go. I would love to go. Um, and uh, so we got to make the trip someday, to, uh, you know, to see Doc, Tim, at some point. Definitely want to go and, and see all the games that they have and just talk with him because he seems like a super cool guy. The whole place seems just like just like it's right up our alley. So um, hopefully once all this mess is behind us, we can get back to some doing stuff like that. So. Okay, Tim, it looks like we have uh, one from Nick here, so I'm going to go ahead and move to that one. Hi there. I recently got a Dance Dance Revolution arcade cabinet, and I noticed that any heavy vibration will cause the signal to go out on the monitor and then come back after about a second. Something that looks like a choke coil spool of copper about the size of my pinky nail has come undone and slightly unwound. I wound it back up and re-glued it to the board, but the same problem still exists. I... I double-checked all the connections on the board after the machine was off and discharging, and discharging the monitor. Does this sound like anything obvious, or should I send my chassis out for repair? So, Tim, this is a common problem. Golly, we've had this on who yeah. knows how many cabinets over the years. Um, but what would you recommend for Nick here? Basically, I mean, he, he's fine, but he starts dancing on it. All of a sudden, he'll cut out for a second and come back in. Well, anytime a game goes out and off and on like that, so sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, uh, we start suspecting cold solder joints and especially games that have a lot of movement or a lot of bounce and the vibration from playing the game and stuff. So where the pins go into the from the uh, board uh, would be a great place to start. Make sure, and we, we've mentioned this several times before, but every time Michael ever repairs uh, a chassis for us, first thing you do is you turn it over and just start touching up solder joints everywhere. So that's a very common problem, something that happens quite a bit, and but it's also easily fixed. And it's usually either a um, yeah a cold solder joint or a broken wire or something real simple. Absolutely. So I mean, and, and guys, like I said, we've seen this in numerous games. We've seen it in Dance Dance Revolutions. We've seen it in Golden Tees. We've seen it in driving games. Uh, Tim, any game that has a lot of movement like this, it's very common that um, that you'll have this kind of uh, cut in and out on the monitor for a sec. And Tim, it is almost always a cold solder joint. I can't tell you how many times uh, we've seen this. And like you mentioned, Tim, on the input pins in particular, it seems like it's more common there than anywhere else, right? Yeah, very common. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and throw this up real quick. Uh, so we've had this exact problem on numerous occasions here, Nick, and almost every single time had to do with a cold, cracked, or broken solder joint or a bad connection to the monitor chassis. Now, Tim, the only reason we didn't mention that as much is because he did say that he went through the connections and everything looked good. But, Nick, don't let that fool you. Check the continuity to those wires and make sure that you're getting a good connection because just because it looks good doesn't mean it is. Right, Tim? Yeah. So, um, but this is... You can't trust your eyes. you got to really... Uh, either look at it through a microscope, but even then, just touch it up. It doesn't take long. That's right. This issue is incredibly common on games that feature a lot of physical movement or activity, such as Dance Dance Revolution. Tim, I mentioned uh, Golden Tee. It seems like we saw this issue a lot in Golden Tee games. Uh, the other one yeah. would be driving games, because driving games get a lot of movement. Tim, people really get into those driving games. They kind of jerk that steering wheel around, and it definitely uh, causes some strife within the arcade cabinet when you do that. So, try removing the monitor chassis and checking the input wires and pins. Touch up the solder on each input pin to ensure that the connection is being made to the board. 
and then touch up any cold cracked or broken solder joints on the rest of the chassis as well and then once you do that nick hopefully that will restore all of your issues and you won't have that split second cutout that you're getting but like as like tim mentioned super common cold solder joint because all it takes tim is a little bit of movement and that pin just doesn't get separates from the solder just for a second and then all of a sudden you don't have a picture anymore right yeah so there you go so uh nick hopefully answers your question now tim i think i heard back from nick and he said he already sent the chassis off for repair so i'm curious nick uh once you get it back let us know what they found because i mean it's possible you could have component failure as well it's just in our experience we've seen a lot more cold cracked solder joints than we have component failure with this issue so uh nick hopefully answers your question and let us know how the repair on your dance dance revolution monitor goes Okay, Tim, and now we have some questions from YouTube. Oh, um, Danny says we need to take a road trip when uh, road trip show when everything is better. Uh, you know, that would be yeah. great. I, Tim, I feel like I need to, to make like 100 road trips to make up for all of this time I've been inside. So um, we'll, we'll see about that. Maybe at some point we can do that. But, Tim, we're up to our questions from YouTube where we kind of rapid fire some of the questions that we've gotten over the last month. And so, Tim, we have okay. three YouTube questions that we're going to answer here in rapid fire order. So we'll go over those, and then we'll get to them one by one. And so, Tim, the first one is from Justin, and he says, should I disconnect the DC output on a power supply completely before plugging in and testing? It will boot if I do not. So if he does not unhook disconnect it, it will boot. Lou says, if I bought a really nice JAMA harness for a Street Fighter II Championship Edition board, will it eliminate the need for a CPS-1 kick harness? And then Samuel says, whenever I try to press down on the joystick, it doesn't respond anymore. This stopped working after I opened the control panel just to see if everything looked in order. So if you can please tell me what the problem is and how to solve it, that would be greatly appreciated. So Tim, we have Justin who's wondering, should he disconnect his DC output before testing his um, voltage then we have lou who wonders if he still needs a kick harness if he has a really nice jamma harness and then we have samuel who is having joystick trouble and just can't get that darn down direction to work anymore after opening up the panel so tim let's take these one by one rapid fire justin do i have to disconnect the dc voltage in order to check the power supply no, you don't have to at all. You can check it with it completely wired up. In fact, that's the way we do it most of the time when we get a game, Tim. If we're just getting it for troubleshooting, the very first thing we do is turn it on and check the power supply. We don't disconnect anything, right? No. Now, with that said, if you have the DC connected up when you get the cabinet, go ahead and see if the DC voltage is good at the board too, right, Tim? Correct. Because that'll help you a lot with your troubleshooting. So if you're get, you know, if you're, you've already got your DC, uh, your switching power supply hooked up, DC voltage is going to your board. Check the DC voltage at the board as well. Nice time to check it if you've got everything already hooked up. So what do you think about Lou? Um, he's got a nice JAMA harness. Does he still need a kick harness if he's going to if he's going to wire up a CPS one game like Street Fighter two? Yeah, you have to have one because there's not the main even the best JAMA harness. Uh, pin, their pinouts are missing for that. Exactly. And, uh, Tim, I can put it real simple for him. No kick harness, no kick. Right. That's why it's go. called the kick harness. Uh, that's why we refer to it as the kick harness is because on Street Fighter 2, all the kick buttons are on the kick harness. So without the kick without the kick harness, no kick, Lou. So there you go. And then Samuel. So down is not working after he opened up the control panel. What's going on, Tim? Well, it's possible one of the terminals is not on or in the wrong place. Uh, most of the time, it was a wiring issue or something. We talked about that before. Uh, but check the connections is what you got to start with. Absolutely. So, Tim, let's go ahead and show the uh, answers that you gave here. And so, uh, Justin, 
So if the DC voltage is already hooked up in your cabinet, just go ahead and test the power supply as it is. That's what we do, Tim. You do not need to disconnect it to check the voltage. You can check the voltage as it is with it hooked up. And if you're going to do that, go ahead and check that voltage at the board level as well to make sure that you're getting good voltage there. Um, Lou, unfortunately, you will still need a CPS 1K harness. The main JAMA pinout for this board, board does not include a place for you to connect the kick buttons. So like I mentioned, no kick harness, no kick. So you gotta have the kick harness on there in order to get those. So even the nicest JAMA harness on a CPS1 game, you're still gonna need the kick harness to do that. And then Samuel, it's possible that one of the terminals on the on the or the terminal on the down direction joystick uh, switch came off when you opened it. It could have been either the ground terminal or it could have been the activation terminal for down. Uh, check the connections and see what you find when you open it back up. Tim, it is super common, you know this, that when you open up a control panel, one of the terminals comes undone or a wire comes out of the terminal or whatever the case may be. Um, because when you reach up in there with your hand to unlatch it, a lot of times you will catch some wires or when you physically open and close it, some of those wires will catch. And so it's, there's a little trick to making sure that you don't snag any wires when you're doing that. And, it, and it's just you have to be very careful when you're putting it all together, right, Tim? Yeah. So there you go. So check those connections, Samuel, and see what you find. Tim, anything else on these three questions before we move on? No, we can move on. Okay, sounds good. So Justin, Lou, and Samuel, hopefully that answers y'all's questions, and good luck with all of your repairs, and let us know how everything is doing. So Tim, I'm going to go over to the live chat real quick. Um, Overbuilt Automotive says, question, I bought an early 80s pole position to sit down um, about or nine months ago. Works, but the screen image is shrunken in top and bottom images. It's squeezed in. So, Tim, it's uh, squeezed this way. So what do you think is going on with this yeah. pole position? Well, it could be an adjustment, but more likely it's starting to have vertical collapse. Exactly. Or vertical collapse, and it, it needs to have a chassis repaired. Right, so you're, you're, getting, you're starting to lose your vertical a little bit here, Overbuilt Automotive. Um, so we do have um, we do have a video and post on repairing monitor collapse issues. Tim, if you see a little bit of fold over, then it may just be some caps in the vertical section, correct? Hopefully. But if you're if it's if it continues to collapse down, then you may have to replace the vertical IC or other things as well, yeah. correct? Exactly. And another thing with vertical guys is make sure that your B plus voltage is dialed in on your monitor chassis because if your B plus voltage is low, sometimes you will have picture size issues. So those are things you want to check. Check all of the caps in the vertical section. Check the vertical IC and then make sure your B plus voltage on the chassis is dialed into what it's supposed to be. If you check those things, um, overbuilt automotive, then you should be in good shape. Louis does say, did you try the adjustments? Or not Louis, excuse me. YouTube Punk says, have you tried the adjustments? He does say yes. So right. Tim, he has tried as much as he has adjustment wise, but still Still can't get it right. More than likely an issue with the chassis, correct? Yeah, it's starting to go out. It's time to give it a repair. There you go. So Overbell Automotive hopefully answers your question. Good luck uh, restoring that vertical on that pole position two sit-down cabinet. Tim, did you have a pole position one or a pole position two sit-down? It was one, right? One. Yeah. I remember we had one of those. So it's a really cool cabinet, Tim. And I remember we were having a party and it was about, I don't know, three hours before the par party, we lost power because we had overloaded a breaker, and we booted that thing back up, and it didn't boot. I remember that. No. <laughs> ah, pole position. So, but anyway, there's a lot of things you can do to bulletproof pole position boards, and so uh, uh, we can send you some links on that kind of stuff, um, Overbuilt Automotive, if you're interested in it, but uh, we would recommend doing some bulletproofing for sure, correct, Tim? Yeah, I highly recommend it if you want to keep it. Yeah, there you go. Okay, Tim, so you got your tech tips for this month. Now, Tim, this isn't really a tech tip, but we know that a lot of um, arcades are starting to open back up now that we're starting to relax some of the COVID-19 uh, regulations 
excuse me, in some states. And so for this tech tip, it, it looks like we're just going to give some uh, sanitary I'm tips having, on. I'm having, I'm having, I'm oh, having what is that? Oh. Please try again later. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's Alexa there. There you go, guys. But um, <laughs> but anyway, we know that um, you know obviously arcades are opening up, and so there are things that are happening that uh, you know we need to keep our arcades clean. We need to keep them sanitized. And so, Tim, this tech tip is basically you giving some tips on how people can do that, correct? Yeah, we thought that it, not only is it needed because of arcades opening, or maybe you're an arcade owner, or maybe your own game room. You're wondering. How, if you're going to have a party or you have some kids over or something, how can you keep them as sterile, uh, as sanitized as possible? And uh, I think that that's going to be the key is even if these arcades are open, like Chuck E. Cheese is back open and stuff like that, um, they still are going to be required or people are going to be worried about people touching surfaces and other people come behind them. So what can you do? to kind of best sanitize and keep germs, uh, and especially COVID-19, off of them. Exactly. So, Tim, tell us about some of the things. Now, I put together this slide based on the stuff that you told us. So, tell us about some of these different products that people can use. Now, Tim, obviously, most people know about, like, Lysol and bleach. But, you know, the thing about bleach, right, is it can cause some damage, right, if they're not careful. Yeah, bleach, just like it gets on your clothes, it can damage a game, like the artwork or the uh, control panel, you can discolor it. Bleach products are awesome though for killing germs and viruses. So one thing that we want to recommend is there uh, you, you need to clean it first. In other words, your games, you can't just go around spraying Lysol on them and call them sanitized. They actually do need to be cleaned first. So getting the old dirt and grime and things out, especially like a kitty ride or something, I highly recommend maybe using like OxyClean, which has bleach in it, but it will, and it also has a disinfectant, but it will not uh, do as much damage. And you could just do a general or soap and water. General soap and water uh, actually kills a lot of germs and things. But after that, that doesn't going to kill everything. And uh, you can't uh, put a mask on your game, so you've got to be able to clean it a little further. And that's why we want to, it's a slide up, up right now. Yeah, John. everybody can see it. we got the slide up. We want to talk about uh, steramine tablets. I'm just, for the money, I guess you could say, because if you use a can of Lysol, let's say a Chuck E. Cheese, and you clean 60 to 100 games, you go through a can every couple hours, and that would get really expensive. But steramine tablets is something that you can buy at Sam's, I know for sure, and what you do is you put, drop them, kind of like Alka-Seltzer or Tums, a big drop. You put it into a water, just regular water bottle, uh, and then you can spray it and make like a spray. It kind of looks like Windex, except for when it's done, it's a little bit bluer if you mixed it right. And then that will kill COVID-19 and a lot of other uh, serious type of uh, viruses on surface and stuff but it also has hardly any smell at all and uh, so we want to highly recommend but you can easily spray down and wipe a game within seconds uh, the places that people touch and you can go into the next game it you know it's not a hundred percent guaranteed John but it definitely is probably better than we were doing the next thing we talk about is instead of reusing a towel like a terry cloth towel which is what we normally would use 
um, that does, that actually will soak up viruses and keep them, and you actually can spread it. Uh, use a paper towel or something that you can actually, after wiping down, you just throw it in the trash. So let's say the virus gets onto the paper towel, at least you're throwing it in the trash afterwards, and it's not just going to spread it to the next surface that you clean. So we highly recommend not using the terry cloth towels and things like that, but paper towels. And of course, hand wipes, sanitizer, all that stuff helps, but uh, it does have to have a high, they were talking about the other day, a lot of sanitizer, it doesn't have a lot of alcohol in it or enough. So you're not really doing any good. Uh, this stuff has enough and it will kill the viruses and stuff. So it's one thing that I think we would recommend. If you've never checked out, even for your house, uh, we figured out that one bottle should last you. And what was the price on it, John? Was this a four dollars or something? It was five. Yeah, it was five dollars for an entire bottle that had like forty tablets in it. So, so that would last like you, uh, you know, a month or longer just from one bottle. So think about that cost compared to one can of Lysol or something. It's very cost effective and something we're going to highly recommend during this time. Yeah, and Tim, I was not familiar with Steramine until you sent this to me. And, you know, the thing right now, guys, is getting Lysol is pretty impossible. Um, I I was able to get some Lysol wipes, but I had a, like an, a standing order with Amazon for like four months before they actually shipped. And that only sent me like four bottles of Lysol wipes, you know. And if I was an arcade and I was going through this stuff quickly, it'd be very difficult to keep Lysol products on hand. Plus, Lysol is expensive, right, Tim? Yeah, and bleach, I mean, bleach you can find, but bleach may cause damage and discoloration to some of your artwork or the cabinets or stuff like that. So you really don't want to use bleach unless you just absolutely have to. Um, but the Steramine tablets are a sanitizer, like what you get with Lysol, and very cheap, very readily available. And and like you said, Tim, can really – and is, I think in um, on some of the websites I read, Tim, actually has been shown in studies to kill coronavirus. So, um, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that's great. I mean, it's something that's cheap, cost-effective, and can clean games very, uh, very quickly. And, yeah, you were mentioning, like, a whole spray bottle would probably last you an entire day. So, I mean, you're going through two tablets a day, you get, like, a pack of, I forget how many in that in that $5 bottle. But, yeah, I think we were thinking it was going to last for 60 or 75 days. So Yeah, and, then, and just think about that for that cost. So, if, if you haven't heard of it, it's still pretty readily available right now. Or maybe you work at arcade, you might want to bring that uh, to your manager's attention or something. I think it works great. We use it a lot, and uh, I think it, I think it's a good product. And uh, seems to be working so far, hopefully. Yeah. Now the paper towels uh, you mentioned, Tim. The biggest thing is I think if, you know you really need to clean. You really need to throw them away after you clean one game. Don't just yeah. because it's um, a paper towel. Don't think that you can clean multiple games with the same paper towel. You really need to wipe down one game with a set of paper towels and throw those in the trash, get brand new paper towels for the next game because you don't want to spread the virus to multiple cabinets, correct? Correct. It's kind of like wearing gloves. They protect you, the person wearing them, but if you're touching surfaces and touching other surfaces, you're really just spreading it around if you're wearing gloves not washing uh, your hands. Correct. So be sure if you're using paper towels that you wipe down each individual game with a set of paper towels and then throws in the trash before doing another game. And Tim, we mentioned hand wipes and sanitizer and making sure, like you mentioned, Tim, that you have high-grade sanitizer um, that is good. Tim, some of the san sanitizer has also um, 
uh, been poisoning people. I don't know if you've seen that, Tim, where um, no, the, the amount of a certain type of alcohol is actually having a negative effect. So, guys, get your sanitizer from reputable sellers and reputable places. Uh, you know, don't don't just buy from, you know, Joe Blow sanitizer um, or hand sanitizer or whatever. Um, you know, see if you can get some from Target. And, Tim, when I go out to stores, um, which is rare, but I do, I do see, you know, the, um, the antibacterial gel out there and things. So, so you can get it. I'm just saying it's out there, so um, you know, and encourage your customers to use them after they after they play a game to prevent the spread to other cabinets. Sounds good, Tim. Anything else before we moved on? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, I think that's a really good tech tip, especially for the times that we're currently living in, Tim, because there's a lot of arcades that are opening now, and uh, with the opening of arcades, we know that uh, you know the virus has not gone away, even though we are opening arcades. So we want to be cautious. Those who have arcades, uh, you want to do your best to sanitize everything to make sure that your customers don't get sick. So, Tim, I think great tech tip, and uh, thank you for for giving us that one this month. So, there you go. Uh, and uh, yeah, Joshua, I. He, he was the one that's having the problem with the audio amp on his um, Galga Mispack board. Yeah, we're going to recommend, and there's some people who do that kind of repair. Uh, Raymond at Arcade Components could actually diagnose that, arcadecomponents.com. So you may want to contact him uh, because here's the deal. I could replace the capacitors, but there could be something else going on, and I don't have a scope or anything to tell, tell you what's going on, Joshua. So your best bet is to send somebody who does that board level repair stuff already, like I said, like our friend Raymond at arcadecomponents.com. So you may look, look him up and see how much he would charge to uh to take a look at your board and uh, get it back to you so if you don't feel comfortable doing that yourself you see if you replace the caps and it doesn't work then you can always send it off too so i mean there's nothing nothing wrong with trying it yourself first and if it doesn't work shipping it off to someone right tim yeah so there you go okay tim well let's go ahead and get into the discussion portion for this episode and tim i don't know if you saw this but it made uh, headlines everywhere hundreds of teens go on a chaotic rampage at memphis putt-putt center new york post so a tennessee mini golf center erupted in chaos saturday night when 300 to 400 teenagers began terrorizing staffers and smashing up the premises because the game machines ate their cash the riotous scene was caught on camera by an alarmed bystander and showed the violent teens going berserk to throw various heavy objects at staff because they didn't issue the kids a refund. It was game over for the teams when police police showed up and issued a juvenile summons for disorderly conduct. Now, Tim, that was the story from the New York Post. But I don't know if um, I don't know if you looked at the actual Facebook page for the Putt Putt Center in Memphis that this happened to. But it looks like oh, the New York Post may have had some fake news going on. So, because um, okay. here is the actual update from Golf and Games Family Park in, from their Facebook page, Tim. This is from the source. Okay. And they said, adhering to COVID guidelines, 100 people are allowed inside the building. Three to 400 people were never inside the building at a given time. Individuals decide to jump the line and get on the go-kart ride while another ride was in progress. While security and other team members tried to get the queue line in order, the decision was made to suspend ticket sales in an effort to be sure everyone got their appropriate number of rides. Within two to three minutes, several individuals engaged in a verbal confrontation before being separated by security and staff members. At this time, the decision was made to suspend operations for the evening. As the staff prepared for refunds, individuals pushed the manager and started screaming and yelling about their refund. To protect the staff and guests, it was announced no refunds would be given. Golf and Games will continue to work with those that want a refund. So, Tim, that's a much different story than the New York Post. The sensationalization, man, it happens all the time, doesn't it? 
It does. And, you know, uh, people, you know, we talk about quote-unquote fake news, Tim, but really what it is is sometimes news outlets sensationalize the news to get the headline bigger, right? And I think that's what the New York Post did here because I, I tend to believe the actual place where it happened over just a random news story. What about you? I think so. I, I'm sure that they uh, wanted to downplay it some themselves, too, but it makes more sense what they said happened than just somebody losing their mind over $4 or something. Right, exactly. It doesn't seem, based on their description, that it had anything to do with the arcade machines, okay? It sounds like what happened is they sell tickets to, like, go-kart rides and stuff. And so something got, they got a little rowdy on the go-kart ride. And so, you know, they, they were kind of like, okay, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to stop ticket sales for a little bit just to make sure everybody who's got tickets gets to play. And then, you know, there were some confrontations and then they're like, well, we're just going to, we're just going to close down because we don't want to deal with this. And then they're going to give refunds and they start fighting and that's kind of how it all sparked. So it wasn't necessarily on the games. But Tim, my question to you is what if it was the games? How would you handle that? And so Tim, we're not going to do a debate tonight, but instead we're going to do a little bit of a discussion on how would you, because Tim, you've been a general manager and you've had experience in this field, so I think it'd be interesting to, to find out your input on this. How would you handle a situation similar to the one that happened at the golfing games in Memphis, Tennessee? Now, Tim, we have the live chat here as well. So if you guys in the live chat would like to uh, chime in on this subject, we'd love to get your opinions as well. But, Tim, you have a wealth of experience in the amusement industry, working at Chuck E. Cheese, Mr. Gaddy's, and other places over your tenure. And so, Tim, we want to get your input. And so I'm going to go ahead and put this up on the screen. How would you handle a situation? Let's say, let's say it was the arcade games that weren't given the re, or um, that uh, they went berserk over because they ate their money and they didn't get refunds or whatever. How would you handle a situation similar to that if it happened at your establishment? So, Tim, I'm going to let you talk. We're going to let the live chat chime in on this as well. But um, what, as a manager, Tim, what would you do in order to help or in order to control this kind of situation? Well, I think we, as a customer. I've been to places where a game took my money or didn't operate fully. Most of 99% of the time, you just give the refund. You don't worry about the cost. Um, you don't want to upset somebody or lose $100 over a dollar or $2 or $10. But at the same time, uh, Chuck E. Cheese had a term. Uh, they called everybody guests. Okay, and I will, I'll put it this way. Let's say you come over to my house, I invite you over, John, you're going to come over and play some games at my house. You're my guest. I'm going to clean up the game room, I want to make sure everything's working. I'm going to do everything I can. I'll, you know, we'll pick up the dirty laundry, all that stuff, because you're a guest and I want you to feel welcome and to have a good time. But if you come in and start throwing stuff, and threatening me, uh, you're no longer a guest at that point. You have become an intruder and a robber. And that's where you don't get, I don't, nobody gets paid enough to deal with that stuff. So it's best to call the authorities, have them come out, have them take care of the situation. Uh, you don't really have a lot of control there, except for maybe just turning off the power or something, but you're just going to incite people more. At some point, you can apologize and all that, but when, when things get out of hand, um, that's what you have to do. What we've had to do before is just call the police and uh, have them come and sort it out or help us. Um, I def definitely uh, don't want to get into the political job, but that's what police are for. They're police.
peacekeepers and their job is to do that and to help you in those situations um, so I would definitely call the police the second that anybody uh, threatened one of my cast members or started to get violent or threw anything something like that you just cannot tolerate that so uh, did you see the video of the young woman uh, that uh, picked up the the little post and damaged all the plexiglass and all that kind of stuff did you see yeah, it? I, I actually thought the manager or at least the cast member handled it pretty well under circumstances like I said once you go into throwing stuff at me I mean this is Texas we're talking about concealed carry <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of stuff we don't put up with and that would be one of them I'll give you your money back and stuff but you're gonna start tearing up the establishment or causing bodily harm to me or one of my friends or cast members um, then we're definitely gonna call the cops but it may be too late by the cops get there you, if you know what I mean um, so that's what I'm asking call- so like as a manager let's say that they do start throwing this stuff is there any kind of action that you feel like you can take in order to protect your staff? Do you just tell them to go to the back, or do you let them sit there? Yeah, what do you do? I would definitely pull the staff out of the out of the front area, pull the staff into the back, into a safe place. Um, literally, um, you know, an office or something, they could go in the door and shut the door. Uh, I would never want my staff to be in any kind of danger like that because it could take several minutes for the police to get there. Uh, fortunately, everything is caught on camera. Uh, I, in the time that we live in, I hope that at least some of them are brought to justice. And uh, you know, the perpetrators that did this stuff, uh, they should be held accountable for the damages and stuff. But no damage, no gain, no nothing is worth somebody's life or somebody getting uh, seriously injured. So my advice would be to pull the staff out as quick as possible. Tell them go to the back, whatever. We're shutting this down. Uh, we're closed. They could leave out the back door if they needed to uh, to be safe. I'm sure there's some good hiding spots. Everybody knows if you're on the inside. Um, but I definitely would uh, encourage them to get out of the way and uh, and not confront people that were at that point. Absolutely. I mean, Tim, I think as a manager, you're utmost important should be the safety of your staff and so pulling your staff at that point does seem like probably the smart thing to do um you know tim obviously um i've never had to deal with anything like this Um, i worked retail for a while we had irate customers but it was never um to the point of violence like this we had bomb threats and things but um never to the point of violence like this and so i and now i've worked um day after thanksgiving tim and i can tell you it was crazy but even in a mob like that tim you'd be surprised how ruly everything went considering how many people were around so uh usually usually you don't have this kind of physical uh physical violence tim like we saw in this video but obviously uh, this got out of hand and I, I think as a manager your best basically your best the best thing you can do is just try to keep your staff, staff safe and call the police correct yeah sounds yeah, good yeah. You got, you got to try to keep it from getting to that point, and that may be stepping in. Um, a lot of times just approaching people, hey, you know, we had the same problem at, at Chuck E. Cheese sometimes. People would cut in front of people or whatever, just saying, hey, look, you know, let's take turns, let's share. But some people don't listen, you know, and uh, it's sad that that's the world we live in, that uh, some people behave in such manners. Uh, no matter who they're associated with or whatever, you know, I I've seen all walks of life people um, that that can do that can, it can turn out get out of hand really quick. So you have to be thinking quick, 
immediately though, uh, you know, there was a Whataburger here in town the other day, somebody shot like 10 or 12 times. Um, you know, I definitely don't want to confront those people. I want to get my staff in the safest place possible and if necessary, defend myself if possible. Absolutely. I think they would be every bit of a justified in defending yourself. There's no sense in you being hurt either. Absolutely, Tim. So let's go to the live chat and see what people said. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see what I got here. Overbuilt Automotive says, "My." Um, let's see. You try to uh, YouTube Punk says you try to stop it before it happens, but once it's chaos, not sure what you can do. And Overbuilt Automotive says smoke makes folks move quickly. So there you go. Um, but um, yeah, it's just it's crazy. I mean, you know, and Tim, I think a lot of this has to do with kind of being cooped up like we all have been with um, COVID and, you know, having to stay home and not being able to get out. I think it is making some folks a little crazy. So um, it seems like we're seeing more of these incidents happen more recently than we have in the past. Is that just me? Yeah. Have, have you heard of the, um, there, there's one way that they're talking about patrolling like teenagers like that. Have you heard of the high pitch that they can't, that I can't hear because of my age or I, it doesn't bother me? No, I haven't. Play it, and a teenager will drive them crazy. It hurts their ears and stuff. That's one self-defense. You can actually go over an intercom and hit this, and it makes a pitch that most are, as you get older, you lose that high, high pitch sound, but teenagers can hear it, and it hurts their ears to the point where most of them will leave right away. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. That's kind of a, a safe way to disperse a crowd. Uh, if you're older and it doesn't bother you, like it doesn't bother me much. But, <laughs> to me, rock concerts for you and me, Tim. Guys, my teenagers and my dogs crazy. So. There you go. Well, um, if you guys are watching this after the fact, please chime in the comments or uh, reply to us on Twitter or Facebook. Let us know what you would do if you were the manager in that particular situation. Tim gave you his advice, but what do you think about his advice? Let us know, and uh, we look forward to having some more discussion with you in the future. So, uh, Tim, thank you for your input on that. Tim's going to eat a little dinner real quick. So, what we uh, got there? Spaghetti? Sorry, guys. Oh, I understand. Like I said, you were, <laughs> you were in such a hurry to get back. I know you didn't have time to eat, so... I haven't eaten all day since 6 a.m. Golly, they need to give you something. You work at a freaking food establishment. <laughs> That's what my wife says, but you don't understand. It's like when the kitchen is already pressed and, you're, and then you're like, oh, by the way, can you make me something too? You know? There you go. Well, I, I'm telling you, you need to you need to score some of those tacos or something. I love those tacos at Dairy Queen. That's my <laughs> favorite, but anyway. <clears throat> so, uh, let's see. We have... Um, YouTube Punk says, what song were you talking about? You're not talking about a song. You're talking about, a, like, a tone, right? Yeah, I'll have to do, maybe post, send you a link to it or something. There's a tone that people are using in amusement areas and stuff like this that uh, you can't hear. It's a real high-pitched sound. Uh, I know there's a YouTube video on it, and it's fun to play with your kids to see. From what I, from what I understand... It literally will make their head hurt, and they can't stand it. It's like a dog whistle. Blake says, well, I need one of those anti-teenager sirens to wear all the time. (laughs) So there you go. But uh, I don't – if you find it, let us know. I think maybe maybe, uh, some of our live chat will do some research on it. I'm curious, so. Okay. Okay, let us go on with our discussion here, Tim. And the next one, you sent this article to me, and I posted it on our Facebook page, Tim, but I thought it was interesting. This actually came from the um, Asia-Pacific – 
I guess, uh, area of the Washington Post. It was not a local story per se, not a U.S. story, but I thought it was interesting because the company is actually, I think, from the U.K., Tim, that this is affecting. But um, this spring, Dave Watson, general manager of Jolly Roger Amusement Rides Limited, flew to Dallas to present Chuck E. Cheese with his new coin-operated children's ride. The machine, which Watson said cost his company about $64,000 to develop, features a miniature train chugging around a grinning likeness of, of the mouse mascot. Then the pandemic shutdowns hit along with the bankruptcy filings. Watson said that his team at Jolly Roger is racing to develop self-cleaning rides now that are embedded with an antimicrobial coating. Realistically, you can't wipe down a ride every time a child has been on it, he said. Now, Tim, the big point of this article, though, is that he has not been paid back anything for that $64,000 because they are in bankruptcy and they're not paying vendors right now, correct? Right. And it, it just kind of hit at the wrong time, you know? Right. Because, I mean, I, I tell you what, my kids would love that ride. Yeah. They're trained it fans. Looks like a ride. So, but that ride nobody has been on because he flew that ride over here from the UK, put it in a Chuck E. Cheese in Dallas, and it's just been sitting there because they're closed. 64K just sitting there. Yeah. It's crazy. But, like I said, who, I mean, in Chuck, I don't know how long this bankruptcy reorganization is going to take, Tim, but, I mean, it's going to be for a long time before he's able to recoup that investment, correct? It's going to be a while, and then again, they're, they're going to struggle, too, is who's going to want to loan them money, money. Exactly. Or exactly. Credit. So, I mean, the other thing, though, the thing you sent me about this was that his company is developing that antimicrobial um, coated games, and I think that coating is actually produced by University Tim in the article. talks about it. But they're actually going to coat games with this stuff so that they're kind of self-cleaning, correct? Yeah, that was what caught my attention is that how after the coronavirus is over or even during this pandemic how things are going to change and these games are coming out kind of coated and that self-clean and that keep them from getting uh, uh, containing or holding the virus before people to touch them which which is huge because I mean the amount of staff it takes to wipe down games Tim as you know it's a lot of staff correct it's a lot of staff and it's a lot of time consuming. By the time you clean all the games, it's time to start over and clean again. Exactly. So if they're already self-cleaning, though, then, you, of course, that helps a ton. That will cut down on your labor costs significantly. It'll cut, it'll cut down on, um, on, uh, on, obviously, the viruses and the germs that are in your area. And so that could be a huge... It could be a huge market for games like that. And it looks like, Tim, that most manufacturers better be looking at a solution like that pretty quickly, Right. I think so, and by law, you have to be doing such things, so you can't just not clean your games and be open. You can say, well, the governor said I could be open, but here in Texas, you actually have to have somebody out there cleaning in order to be open. Correct. Yeah, and Tim, you know, where I work, we're a manufacturing plant, but we have a, a person who comes through three times a day and sprays everything with Lysol. Yeah. I mean, and that's so we can stay open, so... Right. But anyway, uh, Tim, it looks like Louie found um, whatever your little tune is. Um, he linked to it. It was a Yahoo post that he has in the live chat. He says, kids oh, can hear high-frequency sound that adults lose the ability to hear. That is the channel of those sounds. Um, and Blake said, thanks for the link. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Um, Everybody with teenagers are going to go try it. Now. Exactly. So, um, 
I sent you a link too on your phone. Oh, oh okay, to the to the tone. Okay, I've got it here too. YouTube video, twenty one seconds long. It's real short. There you go. So I'll check it out here after the live show, Tim. But uh, good stuff. There you go. But Tim, I do feel bad. The whole point of that article was that they got the antimicrobial coating, and I do feel bad for the guy because I mean he's out sixty four thousand dollars with no way to recoup at this point. So hopefully they can continue to stay in business, but it may be tough going going forward. And Tim, um, while I'm on this topic, man, I can't tell you how many places I've, how many arcades are closing down. Uh, golly, Tim, I've seen yeah. post after post after post. Uh, guys, we've tried to spread our money around by buying t-shirts and other things from arcades all over the place. But even with the support that we've been giving and others have been giving, it's still not enough to keep these places in business. Tim, there's a lot of arcades who still can't open up to this point. So again, just begging you guys, if there's, a, if you can support your local arcades in any way possible, please do, because otherwise they may not survive this. And there's going to be a lot, Tim, there are already a lot of arcades that have closed down and who knows how many more are going to before this is over, so... Yeah, I don't think we've even seen the true economic impact. Some of these places are reopening and finding out they can't get supplies. Uh, you know, I noticed a couple of restaurants went open and then they found out their vendors were closed and they couldn't even uh, make some of the stuff that they used to make. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it, like you said, Tim, we may just be at the beginning of the fallout. So if you can support your local arcades and restaurants and bars, um, any way you can support them, whether that's drive through, pick up, picking up um, you know, food and drink items through a drive-thru or curbside, or if that's buying uh, merchandise, if that's donating to Patreons, GoFundMes. Tim, we've given money to a lot of different Patreons and GoFundMes for arcade support. Uh, it's just really, really hard to be an arcade owner. Guys, there are a lot of people who gave up their day jobs to open up arcades, you know, basically full-time, and for that to be their business. And, Tim, they're seeing their dreams die, and it is depressing as all get out. So if you can do anything to help these guys, I know that they would appreciate it tremendously. So, Right. Okay, Tim, enough of a downer. Let us continue on in our discussion. And, Tim, it looks like G4 may be making a comeback in some form. Uh, for those people who don't know what G4 is, G4 was a video game-focused TV network. And they have teased that they may be returning in 2021. Um, and it, we really don't know what that's going to look like, Tim. It may be um, you know, an online channel or it may be a different form altogether. But, Tim, I have some very fond memories of watching G4, watching um, shows like Icons and Starcade and yeah. uh, Attack of the Show okay. and uh, some of the other X-Play and some of the other shows on G4 TV. So, Tim, I am excited to see G4 back. Hopefully, um, it'll come back in a form uh, with a lot of the original content. But if not, I think it'll be just great to have a video game network back, period. What do you think? Oh, I think it's great. I can't wait. There you go. So hopefully we'll get to see a lot of uh, cool stuff from that. And Tim, the last piece of uh, discussion I have was actually posted by Mark, one of our Facebook moderators. But he said that 7-Eleven is offering arcade cabinet style Slurpee cups for a limited time. And Tim, I have a link to the post here for those people who are interested. The cups, Tim, in this particular case are non-licensed, okay? Not like the ones in the 80s. Remember, there were Slurpee cups in the 80s that were licensed, had like Galaxian, Galaga, Robotron, all that. Um, But these are unlicensed. Since they feature artwork depicting a game called Slurp Attack, and they also have straws with joysticks on them available. So if you have a 7-Eleven near you and you would like to get a cool arcade-shaped Slurpee cup, they are available. And uh, Tim, just, you know, it's cool to see stuff like that out out there. It really makes you 
And think to yourself that there's a lot of people who still appreciate arcade games, uh, even though uh, they're not as readily available to play as they used to be. So. Well, do we have a seven? I know we have one being built, but they're taking forever. So they, so, so the Seven Eleven um, franchisee here, they bought, I think, uh, some uh, another gas station uh, co- franchisee company recently, and they're going to convert those to Seven Elevens. And plus, they're building a new Seven Eleven at our major intersection here in town. And so, uh, we do not have a Seven Eleven right now, but we have, you know, several that are coming, uh, you know, hopefully within the next six to eight months. So. Well, they need to get them open so we can get our That's cup. right, exactly. So, um, you know, Taylor, I can't remember the last time I had a actual Slurpee. What Not about you? either. It's probably been 20 years or more. Exactly. So it'll be fun to have an actual Slurpee for once. Um, but God loves 7-Eleven, guys. Good stuff. So... Okay, guys. Well, I think it's about time to wrap it up, Tim. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do our wrap-ups here. So if you want to eat some spaghetti real quick, feel free to. But uh, we want to remind people that um, we want your arcade-related videos. So if you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos around 10 minutes or less about arcade-related topics. Uh, you can send your link, uh, a link to your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Um, make sure to put a plug-in for your channel so people will know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. And, Tim, we always have that open for people. And we started doing that because, um, you know, YouTube started demonetizing people who didn't meet um, their new criteria. Um, They went up on their subscriber counts, their view counts, um, in order to qualify as being a YouTube partner. And so in order to help some of you guys who may be on just the cusp of being YouTube partners, if uh, you have content that's arcade-related that we can feature on our channel to help you get more subscribers, we'd be happy to do that. And then, guys, here's all of our great contact information. We have our general email address at questions at arcaderepairtips.com, questions at arcaderepairtips.com. If you'd like your question mentioned on the show, put live show in the subject line, and we will do that. Otherwise, we'll just kind of pick them at random. If we feel like your question would be good on the show, then we'll do that. But you can send all of your arcade-related questions to questions at arcaderepairtips.com. And then we have our YouTube page. If you're watching this right now, you're probably watching it on our YouTube page. But if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, then you may want to watch the video version of that. If that's the case, make sure you go to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. And comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode. And Tim, some of the uh, YouTube comments we had from this episode were from that last episode. So again, guys, youtube.arcaderepairtips.com in order to watch all of our great videos and live show videos, uh, as well as all of our other arcade repair related content. And then we have our podcast um, email address that goes to Eric and Rusty, who host the Question and Answer podcast. And you guys can write them at podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. Tim, uh, you know, I haven't talked to them in a while, but I'm hoping that they're going to put out a new podcast sometime soon. Uh, they said they had already recorded some content for our podcast, but, you know, Tim, sometimes editing that all together can take time. And I know that they're probably busy cleaning all their games, considering that they do own an arcade. And like we mentioned earlier, you have to clean all the time. So more than likely they're busy, but hopefully at some point they'll get around to doing a podcast and when they do you guys can send your questions to them at podcast at arcaderepairtips.com or you can also subscribe to those podcast feeds at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com or stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com and make sure if you like what they're doing that you leave a review tim the live show audio also gets posted on the the podcast feed so if you guys are listening to this on that we thank you for subscribing for listening to this and listening to eric and rusty as well hopefully they'll be back with a new episode for you guys to enjoy very soon Oh, leave reviews. iTunes, Stitcher, leave some reviews for for them and for us. We would highly uh, appreciate it. We really love to read all the great reviews you guys leave. 
And then we have our social media pages, Tim. We've got our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. And Tim, we want to thank Mark and Louie for all the hard work that they do on our Facebook page for posting all that stuff. I mentioned this month that Mark had posted the Slurpee, uh, the Slurpee um, cup thing that he found. Louie posts stuff all the time as well. But guys, um, neither one of those guys are paid. They're volunteer positions, but we want to thank Louie and Mark for all of their support. And Louie for doing moderation tonight and posting links as always. Thank you so much for that, Louie. Um, Louie is, is uh, very, 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 very uh, very, very good, and uh, we just we just thank him so much for being for doing what he does on a volunteer basis. Louie, you're the man. So, and Mark, thank you so much for your contributions as well. Now, Facebook.arcaderepairtips.com is one way to get all your fantastic arcade repair related news. But you can also subscribe to our Twitter feed at Twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. You can follow us there, send in your questions there as well, and all of the content from the Facebook page gets cross posted to the Twitter feed, so you won't miss anything if you do that. Well, Tim, I think it's about time to wrap up the show. We are going to have an after show tonight. We did not have one last night, so or last month, so I feel like it's been forever since we've just sat and talked. But um, do you have anything you'd like to tease for the after show that you personally want to talk about? Um, nothing. nothing no, I can't really think of anything. I was just sitting here thinking, gosh, we haven't discussed much after show topics. So much has been going down. I guess we'll just kind of update. Maybe we'll give our opinion on uh, wearing masks or something just to see if we can point a little controversy or there something. There you go. Well, we have some topics actually available. I don't know. Are, movies and TV shows, anything you want to talk about there, Tim? Or have you been too busy making uh, Dairy Queen food and tacos and things? <laughs> I have just been watching. Uh, by the time I get home, I've been uh, watching Shark Tank episodes I haven't seen, The Prophet. And by that time, I'm usually fall asleep and going to bed. I understand. Well, we'll talk about that in the after show if you want to hear that. Um, we'll be talking about, you know, some COVID-19 updates about what you guys are doing. Um, Tim will give some investment talk. I've got some talk I want to say on that point. Sports are back. Tim, let's talk a little bit about that as well. And uh, maybe some cord-cutting talk. We'll kind of get that in there as well. Uh, Tim, I watched Hamilton. We can talk about that for those people who have seen that and some other things. But uh, if you want to hear about that, make sure you stay tuned to the after show right after the live show so um, it'll, it'll be about 5-10 minutes we'll kind of reset and we'll be right here we'll do our after show if you're listening to this on the podcast feed you'll have to go to the YouTube video and watch that to hear the after show so if you're interested in any of the topics we just discussed then make sure that you go to YouTube look up episode 42 of the live show and check out the after show there Tim let's wrap up the real show though do you have anything else before we uh, sign off and move into the sunset here well, I guess I should tease that I have decided to switch trading platforms. Really? Uh, using Robinhood, but nowhere near as much as this other one, and I am making a lot more money. Wow, okay. <laughs> well, if that's a teaser, if I've ever heard one. So you guys stay tuned for there the after go. show here in just a minute, about five minutes if you're with us live, and you'll get to hear what platform Tim has switched to in order to make all this money that he's talking about. And then, uh, guys, and then we'll talk about some other things. But we want to thank you guys for being here for the live show this month. It's been really great having the live chat here. And thanks for um, hanging with us through the delay there, Tim, while Tim was frantically driving back from Dairy Queen to get to his house so he could record with us. But, Tim, I want to thank you for being here and answering everybody's questions as always. We always appreciate it. Yeah, I was going 88 miles an hour trying to get back to 1985 and get out of 2020. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, well, guys, thanks again for watching. Thanks for bearing with us through the delay for this one. And uh, just continue to send in your questions if you have any. We'll be happy to answer those going forward. We'll love to see you guys next month for episode 43 in September, Tim. Golly, it's hard to believe it's already September 2020. But uh, we look forward to seeing you all then if you guys are getting off here. Otherwise, we'll see you in the after show. 
And remember, here at Arcade Repair Tips, when we fix the game, we play the game. And take care, everybody. We'll see you in the after show, or we'll see you next month for another Arcade Repair Tips live show. Take care, everybody, and good night. Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.